What is up, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the All Access Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sam Efford, joined by Andrew and Aiden. How are we doing, boys? Good. Be- been a while. Doing well. Been a while. Yeah, it has been a while, and you know this is a great time for us to pick back up because, as many people know, next week start is the start of the NCAA tournament. Um, but before we get to that, we are going to be going through our AL and NL predictions, starting with NL today. We'll do AL on another pod. But you know, baseball season is you know quickly coming upon us, so it feels important that we get this out to the listeners. Yeah, for sure. I mean, baseball totally just lurked on us. I mean, we're thinking all about basketball and um, the end of football, like like last month, and all of a sudden we have baseball season coming up right around the corner. Yeah, and think about it. Baseball is the only major sport really on this summer. I mean, uh, NBA goes for a while, uh, but once that ends, it's pretty much all baseball. So uh, but better, better get to learning the teams and stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the baseball season officially starts around the start of April. So we still got a few weeks, but um, you get this preview from us now. You can kind of start to preview these teams and, um, you know, should be good going forward. So to start, let's just run through our awards, you know, get this over with. And then we'll go um, division by division and what we think the predicted order is going to be. We'll go MVP, then Cy Young, then reliever of the year rookie of the year and manager of the year um who wants to start with mvp uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start um for my mvp pick i, I went with a, a not very liked one i went with christian yelich uh christian yelich had back-to-back uh ops seasons with higher than a thousand and uh obviously last year he was awful hitting hitting only 205 uh, but i'm definitely ex- expecting a bounce back for christian yelich and, and his brewers ba- uh, ball club yeah and i went with uh defending champion Mookie Betts of the Dodgers. I mean, he's just a five-tool player, really the def- really just the definition of a five-tool player when I think of one. I mean, he's – I mean, there's not one thing he's really bad at. Um, solid hitter, great – one of the best fielders in the league. And um, the Dodgers teams, again, can be powerful. I mean, they added uh, a great arm in Bauer, so they should be a top favorite in the league. Yeah, and those are both solid picks. I went with Fernando Tatis Jr., one of my favorite up-and-coming players in this league. I know Andrew has different views on this guy. Um, We'll get to that more when we start to preview the Padres. But Tatis, he is, you know, just an elite talent. He's got a lot of power in his game, and he's also a great fielder. So, you know, the combination of those things and just some raw skills that he's going to you know, work to get better at as the season progresses and he continues to age and develop in this league. Um, you know, the ceiling is just so high for Fernando. And, you know, this is his coming out party. Obviously, he signed a huge contract just a few weeks ago. And, you know, that's going to play a role in how he develops because he, he clearly sees the trust that the Padres are giving him. Yeah, and uh, obviously not even playing 100 games and uh, getting $340 million is uh, kind of interesting, but, you know, uh, when when someone uh, performs like that in the ninety something games that he's played, it, it's it's I'm not calling it well deserved, but I mean, I I definitely think that Tatis deserves twenty plus million, but uh, I think twelve years, three hundred forty million is a little uh, ridiculous for him. Yeah, I mean it's definitely debatable, and we see this in other sports too, where um, the youngsters get paid pretty quickly, but you know Tatis he shows the improvement and more than anything, I think the Padres 
who, you know, are kind of in a small market. They just want to secure their guy that's going to be able to take them, you know, as far as they can go for the next, what, what was it, 12 years. And, you know, they're basically just securing their future um, in hopes to pursue a World Series victory. Yeah, and uh, obviously there's so many other teams that have done this. Like uh, the Braves extended Ronald Acuna uh, during his rookie year for around eight years, nine years. Um, but they, they, they only gave a, a star like Acuna 60 million or sorry, it was a hundred million. So about 12 million uh, for year uh, for the next eight, seven, eight years is, uh, is just really impressive by the Braves uh, um, front office. Yeah, for sure. And um, moving on, who, Aiden, who do you have winning your Cy Young? Cy Young. Um, I went with the guy. I mean, didn't get a lot of really hype in the year just because there were so many good pitches last year. But I went with Max Scherzer of the Nationals. Um, I mean, he's won the Cy Young already, and he's just he's been really a winner for a while. Um, I mean, won the the World Series two years ago with the Nationals, um, and I just feel like he's gonna have another solid year. Yeah, and uh, for my Cy Young pick, I have uh, the Reds taking back to back Cy Youngs, and I have Luis Casillo taking it. Uh, definitely not a, a super liked pick, um, of course, because uh, Castillo was the number two starter last year behind Bauer. Uh, but I think Castillo has a great year, uh, proves how good he really is. And, I, and I, I can even see the Reds trading him at the deadline because uh, obviously there was the, the talk of him getting traded, the, the false ac- accusations of him getting, of him getting traded to the Yankees. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, Luis Castillo's stuff is disgusting, and he definitely has what it takes to win Cy Young. I'm going to stay in the NL Central and go with Jack Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, Flaherty, he kind of burst on the scene last year. Not a lot of people expected him to be as good as he was, but um, he had one of the more impressive seasons for a pitcher, especially in the NL. And the two guys you mentioned are obviously very good. But apart from that, there's not a whole lot of great pitching in um, in this league. So I feel like if Flaherty can continue to get better, um, you know, he only gave up 22, I mean, sorry, 33 hits last year, which is a pretty good number, um, considering the amount of times he started, but, um, you know, Flaherty is just a solid dude. And I expect him to take the Cardinals to a whole new level, um, in the 2021 season. Yeah. And he's on a Cardinals team that should be like a top five team in the, uh, the national league, but we'll talk about them more specifically later, but yeah, Flaherty, it all starts in him. I mean, he's going to be top ace in the league and just going to be leading a pretty tough uh, like the Cardinals. Yeah, for sure. And if we stay in pitching, Andrew, who is your reliever of the year? Uh, mine is also uh, another guy who didn't have a great um, 2020, um, but I'm going with uh, Will Smith from the Braves. I mean, uh, the Braves lost Mark Melanson this offseason, uh, their closure last year. So I think Will Smith steps into the role perfectly. And obviously, uh, there, there's the news of the of the ball being uh, dejuiced. And I'd say, like being a Braves fan, 90% of Will Smith's runs are home runs. Um, so I th- I think the less home runs that he gives up because of the because of the the dejuiced ball, basically uh, de- decreases all of his stats. And I can definitely see see him winning a, a reliever of the year. Yeah, and for the reliever for the year, what I said is I went with Josh Hader of the Brewers. Now, again, like in 2020, he didn't have a great year compared to like the previous years where he's been pretty dominant. 
with the Brewers. I mean, he had a, almost a, like a four-year, a little bit over or a little bit below a four-year A. But um, I feel like just it's really important because, I mean, the Brewers, they have some really good pitching. I mean, they got like Woodruff, really got young guy like Devin Williams. We'll talk again, like we'll talk about them later in this pod. But um, I just think Hader, I mean, he he's he, he's had the potential to be one of the best relievers in the league. And um, I think after bounce back year or after 2020, he should have a great bounce back year. Yeah, and I'm going to move back to the Padres and go with Drew Pomerantz, um, obviously, for the Padres. Pomerantz, he had a 1.45 ERA last year, which is, I mean, as you guys can guess, one of the best, um, you know, for relievers. So, I mean, as you'll sort of find out um, moving forward, I'm pretty high on the Padres this year. And, you know, Pomerantz, if he has a, a good year next year, then I would expect them – to you know, go to a whole new level and maybe compete with the Dodgers for the uh, NL crown. Second to last award, Rookie of the Year. Who do you have, Aiden? Uh, with the Rookie of the Year, uh, I went with one of Andrew's favorites, uh, Ian Anderson. Um, I know the Braves fans are really excited about him. Um, and just the Braves in general have a lot of like they're just loaded in pitching. They got they lost Soroka last year, but this um, they're going to get him back this year. Going to have free back I mean and I can name another a lot of other players but I feel like it starts also with Anderson I mean he's a top pitcher in the league uh throws a nice seven mile per hour fastball and has a lot of really good off speed so he should be a very good young player for the Braves yeah and just dominated last year I mean uh looking at his postseason stats uh pitched in about three games and uh didn't give up a run until the third game uh so I, I think his ERA was around like a zero point like four in the, in the postseason. So, I mean, just um, being a rookie, being the top prospect for the Braves or sorry, the, the, the number two prospect for the Braves and coming into, into that position and automatically being the, being the, the number two starter because of injuries, that's just really impressive. And that just really shows where he's at mentally. And uh, I, I can definitely see this guy winning rookie of the year. Uh, but for my rookie of the year, uh, I, I went for a, with a guy from a, a not, a not as good team in the, in the pirates, uh, I went with uh, Cabrian Hayes. Uh, Cabrian Hayes was just phenomenal last year and is probably the only bright spot for the Pirates right now. Uh, hit 376 and uh, around 80 at-bats. So it was just phenomenal last year. And uh, I definitely see him uh, having that same success this year. My rookie of the year, I'm going to go back to pitching and go with Sixto Sanchez from the Miami Marlins. Now this Marlins team, you know, they ended up having a pretty good year last year, but um, if we're being realistic, it was pretty lucky that they ended up winning all those games and beating the Cubs in the playoffs. But Sixto Sanchez is one of the bright spots for this team um, who we expect to be bad this year. And, you know, Sixto had a three, three, four, six ERA last year, and we can expect that to improve, um, you know, as he continues to start more games. But he is one of the lone bright spots for this Marlins team, and um, he is one of the best up-and-coming pitchers throughout the whole MLB. Last uh, award, Manager of the Year. Who do you have, Aiden? Manager of the Year. Um, I'm going with – actually, a, a coach has already won the Manager of the Year two years ago, and Mike Schilt of the Cardinals. Um, this is a team that, I mean, we're pretty busy in the offseason. Um, and I feel like Schilt, because he added Arenado, and again, like I already said, uh, when we were talking about Florida, I mean, they're going to be a top five team, at least in the National League. 
Um, so I think it starts with Schilt. I mean, he's a really good coach. I mean, he's been with the Cardinals for three years, but he's been pretty successful in those uh, in those three seasons or in those two seasons. Um, so I think he has a lot of potential to win another award. Yeah, and uh, that's a good pick. And uh, for me, I, I went with uh, Craig Council from the Brewers. Um, you know, the Brewers made a lot of underrated moves and signings this year uh, that I, that I re- that I really liked. And uh, Craig Council really gets the best out of his players, just like Kevin Cash did last year, and that's why he won uh, Manager of the Year last year. So, yeah, Craig Council. I'm going to go back to the Padres and go with Jace Tingler. Um, you know, like I've kind of hinted on, I think the Padres have a real shot of being the best team in DNL, and clearly you can't do that without solid managing. And um, as we saw in the playoffs, he did a fairly good job, you know, coming back from that 1-0 deficit against the Cardinals. So I think Tingler is a guy who has a ton of potential and he's going to only take this team, you know, as far as it can go. You know, formerly with the uh, Texas Rangers, um, I think Tingler is one of the most up-and-coming managers throughout the whole league. Yeah, and uh, ju- just in case uh, no one in here knew, Sam is actually a diehard uh Padres fan picking Fernando Tatis as uh, his, his MVP, uh, Drew Pomeranz as his uh, reliever of the year, and uh, Jace Tingler as his uh, manager of the year. I mean, if this was film, you could see my whole room is decked out in Padres gear because, you know, we we out here supporting supporting uh, San Diego. No, nah, nah, we're, we're, we're just kidding, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I think the P- Padres finally uh, – Take the step. I mean, I don't. Th- I don't think they win the the NL West, uh, but let let's 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 get right to that. Uh, let's start with the NL West. Uh, number five. All of us had the Rockies in number five. Uh, Aiden, what do you think about the Rockies? Um, I just think what m- main point of the Rockies is they're going to a new phase as a franchise. Um, I mean, they made like hardly any moves during the offseason. I mean, um, they lost Arenado to St. Louis, so I mean, they're just. I mean, they're not going to be really looking to contend. I mean, they're just going to be looking for younger prospects and just trying to breed the players. Yeah, I mean, this this Rockies team has a ton of um, great players. You know, Trevor Story is a guy that we've seen as, you know, at the top of the league for his position for many years now. But apart from him and a few other guys, this team has a lack of depth. And, you know, they're not going to be able to successfully – tank if you will if they have these players so i would expect the rockies to maybe make some moves before the deadline where they're maybe giving up some of these solid players in order to get assets for the future because honestly they're not in a great spot right now and um if they want to get back to where they've been in the over the past few years they're really gonna have to blow it up this offseason yeah and uh, obviously um teams are very desperate at the trade deadline and i can definitely see guys like uh, Jermon Marquez and Kyle Freeland getting moved at the trade deadline to teams that desperately, desperately need a uh, starting pitching. And like at, at the, at the last couple of deadlines, uh, teams have overpaid for starting pitching just because they're uh, prime for a, a world series run. So I can definitely see this happening here. Uh, but going into that, I mean, uh, Rockies have story on a one-year deal and I'm, I'm not even sure if the Rockies have money to resign him right now. I mean, story's a, a in a easy $100 million player but I'm not sure if the Rockies are, are willing to give that to him. So uh, bet, better better blow it up soon and uh, stack, stack the farm because their farm right now isn't uh, great whatsoever. So de- definitely have to start rebuilding. And, of course, Blackman's getting pretty old too. Uh, 
somewhere in, in his in his mid thirties, I believe. But uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And at four, we have the San Francisco Giants. Andrew, um, you know, how do you project the Giants playing out this year? Yeah, uh, Giants did uh, way past their standards last year. I mean, uh, almost made the playoffs, and that was shocking to all. I mean, uh, the the evolution of Mike uh, Yastrzemski was just phenomenal. I mean, finished uh, top seven in uh, MVP voting. And, uh, you know, didn't make a lot of moves this, this offseason, add, added to their rotation and, uh, and, and their bullpen. I mean, they, they, they probably got one of the steals of free agency and Jake McGee. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really high on some of their pitchers. I mean, a- Anthony uh, DiScafani and uh, Jake, McGee, Jake McGee were just two super underrated signings. Yeah, and with the Giants, um, I just was looking really at the, specifically at the catcher spot, um, looking at Joey Bart, uh, learning from the great Buster Posey, who is a world champion, and as a, he was a former MVP. Um, I just feel like this is key for the Giants. Um, I mean, like again, it's like the Rockies. They're, a lot of these other teams are transitioning to new phases, and older guys are starting to leave and uh, might retire and going to bring in new guys. And Joey Bart is this type of player who could come into the Giants and make an immediate impact, learning from one of the greatest catchers that this league has ever seen i mean posey's a, a like just a legend so i mean learning from him is gonna be huge um and I mean, it starts with him yeah and then aiden you're talking about uh a world series champion and uh posey make that three times world series champion and some consider him the best catcher of all time well uh i i think that's a stretch but uh posey's definitely up there yeah i was about to say he's up there but uh i respect johnny bench yeah, I mean, clearly you respect Johnny Bench, um, being the Reds fan that you are, one of the lone bright spots in the history of the Reds organization. Um, we'll get to the Reds in a minute, but, you know, for the Giants, like we talked about, they overperformed what people thought going into the season. And um, that was all despite the fact that Johnny Cueto didn't necessarily have a great season last year. So, I mean, if, if Cueto can sort of bounce back this year, which I personally expect him to, um, I think this Giants team could be, you know, fending for one of the bottom playoff spots, kind of like they were last year. Um, but, you know, we've seen Cueto succeed in the past with the Reds and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, it's hard to um, it's hard to think that he wouldn't be able to recover from a bad season last year. And I think he'll be able to do so. Yeah. And uh, some pieces that I miss, I mean, they signed uh, Tommy LaSella from the A's uh, just just. 40 minutes across, uh, they they uh, stole uh, a key piece from the rivals, and then they signed uh, Alex Wood from the Dodgers, who was uh, really good a couple years back. H- had a had a Cy Young like year, um, so yeah, I I can definitely see, see this Giants team making some noise. Uh, but I I all of us just believe that there's three better teams in the NL West than the than the Giants. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, at three, the team that finished dead last last year, even though it was a very competitive division, the Arizona Diamondbacks, Aiden, um, what do you see from them this year? And how can they, you know, sort of get back to where they've been in years past? Uh, one of my key details is talking about Madison Bumgarner, who was actually a former giant with Buster Posey, kind of a little bit of a connection. But um, just looking at him specifically – because he's one of um, the better pitchers in the Diamondbacks. I mean, he struggled last year. His fastball, like, dropped down dramatically to, like, an 88-mile-per-hour range or something, 89. just low, high 80s, low 90s, something like that. But um, I just feel like 
I mean, can't, I mean, he's like 31 years old now. And I mean, he's starting to get a little older. So, I mean, it's going to be hard for the Diamondbacks because again, they're going to have to look at more younger players, but also like Bumgarner can be a really key piece because he's got the experience. He's won championships. Um, I mean, he could be a really big part in the Diamondback success, but he can also be a big part of why they're lacking. Yeah. And uh, obviously um, the drop in Madison uh, Bumgarner's was shocking from last year, but uh, we've honestly seen that a lot through the, uh, a lot through the, through the MLB. I mean, you, you have uh, the bravest Mike Fortinetovich who drops uh, to 89, 90 as well. And that kind of ruined his career, uh, got a DFA'd. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just find it kind of crazy a pitcher like Bumgarner drops that much. I mean, you have some eighth graders throwing as hard as him. So definitely shocking. One thing that concerns me with this team is just they don't necessarily have a great rotation. Last year, Bumgarner, as we say, struggled. He was about a six and a half ERA. Luke Weaver, about a six and a half as well. Um, Zach Gallon was, you know, 2.75. Those are kind of their three main guys. And that's honestly not going to cut it, especially when you're going against elite hitters in this division, like, you know, Mookie Betts and um, other guys that, that we're yet to talk about. But um, if this team's going to fulfill what many people can think of them, um, they're going to have to figure out a way to, you know, pitch better, whether it be bring guys up from the farm or, you know, make a move at the deadline. Yeah. And uh, obviously the Diamondbacks pitching is just atrocious. Like you said, I mean, they have Zach Gallon as their number one. I mean, Zach Gallon had a had a good rookie year last year, uh, but Zach Gallon just can't be uh, your your number one starter to compete with teams like the Padres and Dodgers, pa- Padres and Dodgers who go out and make moves every uh, off season. Yeah, for sure. And personally, to me, those three teams are solid. But this is a two team race for number one. Um, in second, we agreed that the Padres would be um, number two. Andrew, what do you like about the Padres and what do you not like? Do you not do you not embrace the hype heading into this season? Um, you know, made a lot of in, uh interesting moves. Um, obviously had the best offseason uh by far. I mean, Dodgers are up there too, but um yeah, definitely super interesting. I mean, you have uh Resign Tatis, uh, and their bullpen is just insane now. I mean, they have three guys that can four guys that can uh, legit close. I mean, they have uh, Emilio Pagan, Drew Pomeranz, Mark Melanson, and Keanu Kella, who were all uh, closers on their previous team. So, I mean, uh, their pitching is just insane. I mean, their their lineup is is top five, but it's not it's it, it, it's not the best. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely excited to, to see this uh, new-look Padres team. Yeah, I mean, Andrew kind of basically summed up what I was about to say, but really it was just – Summon in two words, best offseason, really. I mean, they made so many really good moves. I mean, they added Snell from the Tampa Bay. They added Tati, or once they added, they re-signed him to a huge contract, an historic contract, which a little questionable by some people because they're thinking, like, is he really that amount – or really, is he really worth that amount of money? Um, is he – or is he not? Um, but overall, I mean, best bullpen – or one of the best bullpens in the league, one of the best pitchings in the league, and it's the best offseason, and, and they're looking to contend this year. The Padres have the best player in baseball. They have the one of the top three one-two punches in the league, um, and the Padres are my personal number one team in the the whole NL, potentially the league. Well, the Dodgers are very arguable, and it's clear why they would be high on many people's lists. 
But this team, like you mentioned, Andrew, they got so much better. Um, you know, bringing in um, Blake Snell, bringing in you Darvish to replace, um, you know, the Clevenger injury. Just those are two moves that are championship winning. And I would fully expect this team to be competing night in and night out. And if not competing in the uh, NLDS, um, you know, to get to the World Series. Yeah, and uh, obviously with the NLS being so good, um, they probably won't win the division, but it's still very possible that they are going to win the World Series. Uh, obviously, that wild card spot being so clutch. I mean, I, I think that th- this might be the first time in a while that, that we see two 100-win teams in one division. For sure, and I wouldn't p- put it past either of these teams because um, you, you might argue that these are the two best teams throughout the whole league, which certainly is a case that I would be making. So it would be, it's going to be really fun to see how this plays out between um, the Padres and the uh, Dodgers who we're about to move to um, clearly the um, reigning champions in the MLB. Do you think this team clearly got a lot better? Andrew, what are some moves that you saw from this team that are going to take them to an even higher level? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, there's the Bauer signing, which is another overrated signing in the in the in the NL West. Uh, paying a dude like that forty million to have one good year, and uh, obviously, there's a there's the scandal of Trevor Bauer cheating, uh, and Trevor Bauer has pub- publicly called out other pitchers for cheating. Uh, for example, Garrett Cole. I mean, um, Trevor Bauer's RPM or the spin rate jumped tremendously, and uh, that's just shocking. So, I mean, there there has to be some uh, foreign substance going on there. Um, but now, now, now that that's off my, uh, off my mind. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting like a, a Lakers vibe from this. I mean, uh, the, the championship team gets better. I mean, that, that, that's what great teams do. And, and that's what dynasties do. Uh, so the, the, I mean, it's pretty obvious that the Dodgers are the obvious pick and, uh, I'm sure everyone will, will pick them for the world series again. Yeah, that's interesting as you say that, uh, I never actually really thought about, uh, the scandals and stuff. I mean, it's kind of funny. Uh, being a Reds fan, seeing him last year, he really called out all of the Astros fans as the scandal was going along with them <laughs> and the steel in their uh, steel signing scandal. But uh, just talking about the Dodgers, I mean, like you said, I mean, the adding Bauer, I mean, they have the best one, two, three in baseball. Uh, Bueller, Bauer, Kershaw, uh, bullpen's also pretty good. I mean, they got Kenley Jansen and a lot of other really studs. I mean, and they're going to be loaded in the prospects soon. I mean, this is LA. This is Dodgers. I mean, you got to expect to be, they're going to be really good. And uh, they're, I mean, they, they have the right to be the best team or be called the best team in the, in the league. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's not a whole lot to say about this team. I like the whole Lakers comparison that you made the other day. Um, one thing, like, I would kind of, you know, go with that, just saying, like, the rich get richer. Because, you know, Bauer was one of the best pitchers throughout the whole league last year. And adding a guy like that to your rotation, that's already a phenomenal rotation, is just how, you know, teams create dynasties like you guys both mentioned. And I like this Dodgers team clearly. And um, although they aren't going to be my one seed in the NL, I can certainly see why you guys would say that. Let's move on to the NL East, a division that, you know, is one of the best throughout the whole. um, The best in baseball. The best in baseball from Andrew, um, because his team is in this league. 
maybe that's influencing his decision, but we'll start at five. We all agree that the Marlins are going to finish last in the NL East, despite having a pretty successful year last year. Um, who wants to start with that? Uh, I'll go ahead and start. I mean, uh, Marlins are just a poverty franchise who try to purposely hit, hit uh, Ronald Acuna and get him hurt. Um, so, yeah, but it. No, I'm playing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Marlins obviously had that had that su- success in a 60-game season. Um, but when you have guys – when you have teams like the, the Mets, National, and Phillies who aren't afraid to spend money, and you have teams like the Braves who just keep keep, keep producing uh, talent from the farm, I mean, it, it's it's hard to keep up. And uh, I, I think that – I think the NL East is the most uh, improved division by far. And uh, I, I just see the Marlins dropping from second place to fifth this year. Yeah, it's funny, and I feel like because this division is probably one of the best in the league, and like you think of the Marlins, like th- of thinking of them being last in the division after making a playoff spot, like in any other division, like average division, they would be at least top three. And we're thinking, or that we're thinking about them being the last team, like yeah, that just that says a lot about the, really the National League in general. I mean, it's just full of lot, a lot of loaded teams, but. Speaking specifically about them, uh, I just a really underrated signing by them from adding Adam Duvall from Braves. Um, I mean, I know a lot about him because he, he used to play for Cincinnati. But um, I mean, when he's healthy and he, when he's, I mean, he he's given a chance to for uh, Miami to just really produce. I mean, this is a, a really young team. Like we we're saying, I mean, they got a lot of really good young guys. Um, Sixto Sanchez, like Sam was already noting earlier, but. So it's a really underrated team, but I mean, sadly, because the division is so good that they're going to struggle probably. Yeah. And Sixto Sanchez is kind of a huge addition for this team. Um, you know, you think about guys that are potentially franchise changing and they bring a sense of hope for a franchise. Um, Sixto Sanchez is one of those guys. And like I said, I mentioned him as my rookie of the year earlier. Um, this Marlins team was very lucky last year, and I would not expect the same thing from them. Um, clearly because they're in such a difficult division. But other than that, I mean, with a guy, with a, a solid ace for years to come, um, this is a team that potentially could find their spot in a couple of years. Yeah, and uh, going back, I mean, uh, they, this is kind of off topic, but uh, going back four or five years, the Marlins had uh, a stack farm. They had Christian Yelich in the farm. They had uh, Marcelo Zuni in the farm. Uh, they had um, – uh, Giancarlo Stanton in his prime hitting 50 home runs MVP. Um, they had Brad Hand. They had so many good pitchers. They had um, just so so many good players, and uh, they traded them all away. They had a they had J- JT Realmuto now at the Phillies. Um, but going back to that, uh, JT Realmuto was actually traded to the Phillies from the Marlins for Sixto Sanchez. Um, so I'm I'm not really sure who who's going to win that trade in the long run because JT Realmuto is obviously the best catcher in baseball right now. Uh, but like Sam said, like Sam said, uh, Sixto Sanchez is just so electric. Um, so you never know. Yeah, and at four we had the Phillies. Um, I'll start with this one. Good for them to bring back Real Muto, the guy you just mentioned, um, along with Didi Gregorius. Now this is a team that didn't have a great year last year. Uh, the Phillies finished in third in the NL East, which is kind of underwhelming for them miss out on the playoffs, but you know, this is, you know, kind of a team that you would maybe expect to fill the spot of the Marlins last year, where if they start rattling off some games, their pitching is solid enough to where they can, um, you know, make an impact in this league. And a guy like Real Muto, the best catcher in the league, as you mentioned earlier, Andrew, 
Um, he's a game changer, especially with his ability um, to, you know, hit home runs and stuff like that. So um, the Phillies are in good shape for years to come with solid dudes that they're building around, even though, like we mentioned with the Marlins, it might be tough for them to rattle off wins with a tough division that they're in. Yeah, and uh, one crazy thing I, I thought about the Phillies uh, that some of you guys might uh, remember listening um, back in like, I'd say it was right after, uh, the off season, I'd say like, it was like December, uh, the Phillies announced that they had no money left to, uh, re-sign Rio Muto, re-sign DD or sign any free agents period, just cause they were so broken from the, from the pandemic. But then, uh, around one month later, they, they end up signing, uh, they, they end up re-signing, uh, JT Rio Muto and, uh, DD Gregorius and signing about six or seven different, uh, uh, re- relief pitchers. Uh, so that that was kind of sketchy to me, uh, where all that money came from. Because I mean, they're paying JT uh, twenty plus mil a year and DD uh, ten plus mil a year. So I'm not sure where they got all that money from. Uh, de- definitely skeptical skeptical about it. Uh, but may- maybe the Phillies uh, GM was just telling people that so people thought the Phillies didn't have money, and uh, teams would try to try to lowball JT Ramuto and lowball uh, DD Gregorius. But yeah, definitely weird. Yeah, it's an inter- interesting point, as you say. And part of uh, being in a really tough division that the Phillies are in, uh, I really specifically was looking at, like, their starting pitchers. Um, after really uh, their top two pitchers in Aaron Noll and Zach Wheeler, I mean, they have a really weak three to five starters. Um, they have Zach F, F1, Matt Moore, and Chase Anderson. And I just feel like in the type of division, like, with powerful hitting teams like the Braves, Mets Nationals, uh, and the Marlins, I mean – Having these type of pitchers, um, that type of division is just not going to really make you su- that successful. Although they do have some pretty good players, like like what we said, like Rayo getting wrecked, Rayo Mito, Reese Hoskins, McCutcheon, Harper. Um, I just feel like the pitching is going to really kind of slow them down. Yeah, and next, the Nationals, who you know pulled off the huge blockbuster for Bryce Harper with the team we just mentioned, um, Andrew. What do you think about the Nationals this year? Do you think they can um, bounce back after a a tough year? Yeah, I mean Nationals uh definitely got got a lot of different pieces. They signed uh, Brad Hands, All Star closer from the, from the Indians, uh, traded uh, for Josh Bell from the Pirates, and basically wasted their whole farm. And uh, they signed Kyle Schwarber, uh, John Lester, just a lot of really good veterans, and uh, that's definitely going to help them in the in the long run. But um, you know. Uh, with teams like the Mets and Braves in, in your division, I just don't see that being enough. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely excited for this team, and, and I think uh, Juan Soto can be a a uh, MVP sleeper. Yeah, for the Washington Nationals, I mean, they had a really, really good free agency class. I think this year they added a lot of guys, like they added John Lester, Kyle Schwarber, Brad Hand, Josh Bell. I mean, both pitchers and solid hitters, and. Uh, players that the Phillies are going to, or the, not the Phillies, the Nationals are going to really need um, in a tough division like the NL East. Yeah, and, you know, Andrew, you talked about the free agency, and they signed a lot of good veterans. A lot of those guys were dudes that filled positions of need for this team. And when you have a star like Juan Soto, who is, you know, one of the best hitters in the league, um, you can expect them to always be competing. And, you know, good pitching around him. You mentioned John Lester. Um, Kosh Warber with some power. Um, those guys are dudes that are ultimately going to take you to where you want to be as a franchise and um, perfect guys to compliment such a great player in Juan Soto. 
Second, we have the Mets. The Mets finished fourth last year, but a huge addition in the offseason um, has them looking to be better than that. Adding Francisco Lindor is absolutely huge for this team. Um, obviously, he's a great fielder, um, but he can also really hit the ball well. Um, you know, a guy like Lindor to man the infield along with um, Jacob deGrom as your ace pitcher, those are two dudes that are very solid, and the Mets should be back you know, in a competing state for, for years to come with those two guys. Yeah, yeah it was a very underrated uh, free agency for the Mets. I mean, like you said, they already added Lindor, and they also got a lot of really good small slash like minor additions as they had Trevor May, they got James McCann, and also Kevin Poor and Jonathan Boer, um, each from – or Poor from the Blue Jays and Boer from Marlins. I mean, these are some really good – I mean, pretty good additions. I mean, Mets are going to be – I mean – I wouldn't be surprised if – I mean, they're going to be competing for the top spot with the Braves, although the Braves should win the division. Uh, I mean, the Mets are going to be competing with them, and I feel like these little, like, smaller additions that they got, this free agency class, is pretty solid. Yeah, and it, it's also pretty nice when you have uh, Uncle Steve Cohen as your owner, uh, who has, shoot, over a billion dollars. Um, but, yeah, definitely made a, a lot of good uh, additions. Trevor May, uh, James McCann, Jonathan Villar – uh, Kevin Pilar, Albert Almora, just a couple uh, that, that I'm able to name off, off the top of my head. Um, but like looking at, at all the, uh, the NL East standings and like all the, the MLB nerds, uh, as they call themselves, uh, NL East standings, almost all of them have the Mets winning. Um, but, you know, I'm not really sure um, how this team's going to do. I mean, every, everyone says uh, the, the Mets are going to met. Um, but one more player uh, that none of us f- forgot to mention uh, that they also got in the Francisco Lindor deal is uh, Car- Carlos Carrasco. Uh, they, they got Carlos Carrasco, who, who was an absolute steal, uh, had cancer in 2019, but came back and was just uh, phen- phenomenal. So definitely a great pickup there. Andrew, I know you're a Braves fan. Are they a lock for the NL East? Not whatsoever. I mean, last year I would, I would call them a lock going into the year. Um, but I mean, I, I feel like their rotation is so good and, uh, lots, lots of people call Max Reed overrated and uh, our bullpen isn't great, uh, but we have eight legit dudes that will pitch for any big league team. I mean, you have, uh, Bryce Wilson, Drew Smiley, Kyle Wright, who else are, uh, you know, uh, um, to man the back of the rotation and they're all going to fight for that spot. And if they don't get that spot, um, then they'll definitely, they'll definitely, um, go into long relief. And I mean, you got guys, um, the, the additions of Charlie Morton was huge for them and obviously uh, re-signing Marcelo Zunia. But, I, I mean, being a Braves fan is pre- pretty frustrating because uh, we really couldn't make any moves because uh, of how cheap we were. I mean, we, we signed Marcelo Zunia for $12 million, and Marcelo Zunia finished fourth in, M- fourth in uh, MVP voting. Uh, so I was really shocked by that. But, I mean, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like all of us have them in first just because of uh, how good they've been the, the last three years, obviously winning all, all the, the, the NL East titles. Um, but the Braves just step up when needed. I mean, last year they had two legit p- pitchers in, uh, Ian, Ian Anderson and uh, Max Fried after Soroka went down. And now, now they have uh, all their prospects coming up and uh, Christian Pache. And I think Christian Pache could be a dark horse for a rookie of the year. Yeah. And um like you mentioned, their pitching is just phenomenal. Uh, the rotation of Freed, Morton, and Ian Anderson, along with the dudes you mentioned that are on the come up, um, that's to go along with just a phenomenal lineup that they have with 
obviously your boy, Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Freeman, Hansby Swanson, Marcelo Zunia. All these dudes um, will be great. It'll be interesting to see how Az- – it'll be interesting to see how Marcelo Zuna, um, you know, comes off of a great year last year. Will be able to do the same thing? Because, I mean, he's kind of been pretty inconsistent throughout his career. The year before with the Cardinals, he wasn't exactly phenomenal. But, I mean, it's going to be a, a great team regardless of that. And I would expect them to be, you know, flirting with the top spot and potentially the NL. I think they're uh, the clear-cut third throughout the whole the whole league. Yeah, there's not much to say about this Braves team. I mean, you you guys basically put it in the words. I mean, this is a top – I think when – when they're really on, this is at least a top two team in the National League, I think, in my opinion. But just when they're all healthy, I mean, kind of a, a little bit part. I mean, I feel like if they had Soroka, I mean, Jesus, this team is loaded. But uh, unfortunately, they did not have him uh, last year. But getting him back is huge. Um, having Soroka, Anderson, Freed, uh, Charlie Morton, and I probably missed a couple other people that they have. And uh, their lineup, like you guys have already said, I mean, just – just nasty. I mean, there's not much really you can say about this team. It's just loaded with talent. Yeah, for sure. And moving on to the worst division in baseball, uh, the NL Central. Uh, with the fifth spot, we all picked uh, the obvious pick in the, in the Pirates. Aiden, what's your thoughts on the Pirates? It's the worst team in baseball. Um, I mean, they, they did a lot of uh, – they were pretty active in the offseason. Uh, they traded Drew Musgrove. Uh, Jamison Talion, and they also traded away Josh Bell. I mean, they're just trying to load up for the future. And, I mean, they got rid of their best players. I mean, they're just trying to dump salary and just try to get – just load up on players. I mean, I mean that's how just rebuilds are going to happen. And, yeah, and they're, the, they're the worst team for a reason in the worst division. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, Cabrian Hayes is the lone bright spot for this team. Um you know, you you should expect them to maybe end up with one of these Vanderbilt pitchers, um, you know, that they, they might land in the draft, either Kumar Rocker or um, what's the other dude's name? I, I forget right now, but um, both of those dudes are studs and um, clearly a bright future if they can continue to salary dump and land assets that are going to help them in the future. Yeah, and I've got uh, two words for you. It's just Cabrian Hayes. I mean, uh, only real dude on that team. I mean, you, you have Colin Moran over there who had a great year last year uh, who's making the transition from third to first strictly for Brian Hayes. Uh, but, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, no need to talk about them because um, poverty franchise at this point. Uh, the Reds, another potential poverty franchise. I'm not going to say it because I know that will make Aiden mad. Um, Aiden, why don't we just hear your thoughts on this team because clearly you're a, you are a diehard uh yeah i mean in my if i can put it into words uh overall i don't think the reds really had that great of an offseason um they got i mean obviously they wasn't really expected they were going to retain trevor bauer i mean that so really overall i mean it was kind of expected um and i just did not like like we still have to deal with the, the really big contracts that uh nicholas castellanos and uh Ustakas have um and i feel like a big part of what uh, since then, because they were really trying to find bats, especially at the shortstop spot, because they had Galvis and he was just a mess. And we ended up being younger guys like Garcia and other players. But 
Um, I just feel like as a Reds fan, I mean, just to continue to load up on really young talent. Um, although we're kind of in a really weird phase because, I mean, like kind of contending, but we could also really just save it for the future. We're in the kind of the middle phase. But, um, yeah, overall, I mean, I, a big part, a big struggle of the Reds is just not having enough offense. Um, I mean, you saw against the Braves, they literally looked like the worst team in Major League Baseball history. <laughs> I mean, it was terrible. Uh, that, that was all. That was all Braves pitching. I mean, yeah, but like, still, we could not muster oh, at man. least like, at least like one or two hits. But yeah, I mean, yeah, thankfully, that, for and the game was close. Yeah, that and uh, and some base running problems by you guys uh, could could have scored a couple runs uh, if, if if your players knew knew how to run bases. Yeah, uh, it's just, I mean, it's the easiest thing in the game, and we just don't know how to do it. But yeah, I just think if we can load up on younger talent, but bright spot, uh, it's going to be Castillo, like. Andrew already said he's a Cy Young front runner, but or I wouldn't say front runner, but he's a, a, a very good favorite to win the Cy Young. But uh, I mean, pitching is going to be pretty solid. I mean, pretty solid. I mean, still good without Bauer, but lineup still a little a lot of question marks. But I mean, I'm not I'm not satisfied, but I think it's a little good. Or it's a pretty good phase. Yeah, I remember that that game one pretty vividly because I was on the golf course and I started right about opening pitch. And it took until about hole 14 before they even got a hit. So, I mean, it was a pretty boring one to listen to. And, you know, Bauer played his, his guts out in that one. Um, and ultimately, it just he couldn't get it done because the offense was so bad. Like you mentioned, base running was horrible in that one. Um, the thing about the Reds was pitching kind of took them to where they were last year. Obviously, an ace like Trevor Bauer, who – has been labeled as a cheater on this podcast today. Um, but <laughs> pitching took them to where they were last year, and they lost their best guy. So um, they're going to have to really step it up on the offensive side of the ball because if they can't, then um, it's going to be hard for them to, you know, come by a lot of runs. Yeah, offense definitely struggled. But um, this team could still win the NL Central. I mean, it's wide open. They have four teams that can uh, legit win it. And then there, there's the, the poverty uh, franchise and the Pirates poverty i mean this is nothing i i'm literally a fan of all poverty franchises can i please get like a a bandwagon order or waiver reds tigers pistons lions seems about right like literally it's like a blind man could pick better teams than i did (laughs) it's not your fault yeah it's just is what it is you 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 were you were just born into into poverty pretty much that's a mission basketball but uh, they did not look very good this weekend, so that could be in jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Michigan, Michigan football is definitely on on the on the down now. All right, this is not a college football pet podcast. I was gonna talk. say I was gonna say Michigan football is absolutely poverty right now. Uh, yeah, it's poverty, poverty, poverty. I, I have no words. <laughs> I have no comment on that. Third place. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about it on the next pod. Just I don't want to talk about it right now. We're talking about Major League Baseball. We we won't. We won't bite into you too much, but former poverty franchise, Chicago Cubs, third place for us. You know, the Cubs lost a lot. And they have, you know, kind of severely changed from that World Series team we saw a few years ago. Um, what do you guys think they need to do in order to, you know, maybe sneak in? Um, You know, this this team's bullpen got, got a lot better. I mean, they made some uh, weird, weird signings. I mean, Brandon Workman was once an all-star closer but obviously was atrocious with the Phillies last year. 
and uh, they they re-signed Jake. Ar- they uh, signed Jake Arrieta, uh, ca- causing a uh, reunion, which I was shocked by, just because he was so bad last year. And then they they also made uh, another another in- interesting move in Zach Davies, and also uh, Jock Peterson. I mean, just lots of really weird signings that I wouldn't expect. I mean, just just guys that don't fit like the Cub way. Like, I I don't really know how to explain it, but. Uh, just super random signings. Yeah, uh, kind of like what Andrew said. Um, just a lot of really like they added a lot of really like role players that were very questionable. Um, they added former Cy Young Jake Area, who was on this cut the Cubs roster, but I mean, the dude is washed. I hate to say it. Well, actually, I don't hate to say it because he's a Cub. I mean, he was good for the Cubs, and uh, the Reds are rivals of the Cubs. If no one has ever heard about that, but. Um, but talking about them, uh, yeah, just a lot of really questionable decisions um, that they added. And they also had Jock Peterson, which, I mean, he's good. But, I mean, he's more of a role player. But, like, is that really what the Cubs need? And I I don't know. There's, there's a lot of question marks there. We had the Brewers at two. What, why do you guys think this team will bounce back? Because they made so many changes in the offseason. I mean, they – they, like they got so much better from last year, and uh, Christian Yelich is gonna uh, perf- uh, come back to MVP form. I mean, he he hit 100 points lower than his average. I mean, he's he, he he's normally around 300, and he hit 200 last year. And then the, uh, they they also had the best uh, one-two punch in uh, baseball in the bullpen. I mean, they have Devin Williams and Josh Hader, and uh, I know uh, that Aiden had Josh Hader as his uh, reliever of the year. And he'll definitely come back to form, but Devin Williams is just disgusting. Uh, he he has an under one ERA, and like fifty percent of his pitches are swing and miss. Like it's it's just crazy. Yeah, with the Brewers, and like you already said, I mean they just have a really good bullpen that's headlined by Hader and Devin Williams. I mean Devin Williams is just a really young generational type talent. I mean he's a really good player. Um, I mean he showed it last year. I mean he had some very key games where he. Uh, save the deal for the Brewers. Um, and also, I mean, like I've said with the young talent, they got guys like Corbin and Burns also that they have. I mean, I mean, it's just a really underrated Brewers team who had some guys that didn't really have a great 2020 season, specifically Christian Yelich, who was front-line to have another MVP season, but with the 60-game season, he did not. that was not his year. Um but yeah, I mean, this is a super team who can make some noise. But I mean, again, they're in a really like tough conference in the National League. Um, it's hard, but I mean, they can win the division. They can make noise in that because the NL Central is is probably the worst division. I hate to say. It. Yeah, and if I were to compare this Brewers team to an NFL team, I would say they're kind of like the Browns a little bit. They had a good end of the regular season two years ago. And last year, they had a ton of hype going into it with a star. Um, obviously, Christian Yelich was their star. You got a guy like, you know, Nick Chubb or Baker Mayfield with a lot of hype. Um, then they both had down years. But the next year after that was a bounce back year for the Browns, obviously, this year. I think that the Brewers will bounce back. You got you had a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr., um, Colton Wong, a solid guy. Um, you should just expect a bounce back year for this team. And Christian Yelich, it was pretty uncharacteristic of him last year. I think it there's it's a no-brainer that he'll get back to where he was at before last year. 
Yeah, and uh, moving on, uh, let's go to our number one team, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Sam's second team behind the Padres. Um, Sam, what, what what's your thoughts on uh, on your uh, beloved team? Yeah, the Cardinals, I mean, they were already a solid team last year, but they got even better by adding Nolan Arenado. Um, they did lose Colton Wong and some other pieces, but, you know, having Paul Goldschmidt along with Arenado and my Cy Young winner, Jack Flaherty, that's a really good group of guys that, you know, have been together for a long period of time. And we should expect this team to, you know, continue to get better as um, they continue to play with each other. Because, I mean, you got like guys like Matt Carpenter still with them. Um, other dudes who have been there for a while, Yadier Molina. Um, and just that con- continuity that they have within them is something that um, should really be appreciated. And I think the Cardinals are, are bound to win the NL Central, especially because, like we've mentioned, it's not the greatest division. Yeah, and like one thing the Cardinals also did well, I mean, didn't even really do well, but uh, they, they got healthy. Uh, their bullpen really struggled last year, but you have guys like uh, Jordan Hicks and Giovanni Gallegos who come back. I mean, Jordan Hicks throws uh, a one of 3 fastball with crazy movement on it, which is virtually unhittable. Um, so getting him back was huge, and he'll, he'll probably be uh, their closer for the next couple of years. So that, that was huge. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I've we've said me, uh, Andrew, and Sam have said this all along. I mean, this is a Cardinals team that has some dudes. I mean, like I've said, uh, I think Sam was the person who said that Flaherty was going to be his Cy Young award winner, and then also I had Mike Schilt being manager of the year from the Cardinals. I mean, we expect a lot of really good things from the Cardinals this year. It's not a really great NL Central team or NL Central division. So I mean, I feel like they get. Um, they're the leader in that division. Um, they added Arenado and probably should be a top five team in the National League. You guys probably cover the details. Um, but really, just this is a team that has a lot of potential. Um, I mean, they're not in a great division, but I mean, they can make some noise if it happens. Yeah, for sure. And that's it for our NL preview. Next pod, we should have an AL preview out. Um, obviously, it should be very competitive in this. Um, it should be very competitive in this in this league this year and um, really looking forward to it with the season. Like we said, starting in a few weeks, thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you soon. Peace.